Disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as facts. Nothing that is said about any person, organization, gaming company, or sport topic in general should be taken as facts, as well as any talk about any political, religious, or medical topics. As for medical topics at all times, you should speak to a licensed medical professional before any opinion is considered. Everything that is said on this podcast is opinion-based only. Viewers and listeners' discretion is advised. Welcome to the Dr. VTech Show. This podcast is a long-form conversation hosted by Dr. VTAC with the top guests in the world of esports. All from owners, pros, semi-pros, former pros, and content creators of many games. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, welcome, welcome to the Dr. VTech show. Thank you for joining in. I got a special guest, a really good friend, a phenomenal content creator. Um, his name is uh, Super. He goes by Super. Seth Super Hoffman is a former Rainbow Six Vegas 1 and Vegas 2 and Siege pro player who competed at a professional level for over 15 years while earning multiple championships across three separate titles. Supers led the Sonics to the NAL championship and top six world championship finish in 2021. A renowned captain, leader, and now manager, Super contribution to the game goes beyond his professional play and content creation in contribution to the improvement of competitive scene in Rainbow Six Siege. Earn him an endgame charm. Super welcome. <laughs> wow, that was that was a lot. You're making me sound way more important than I actually am. I appreciate that. Uh, but you are important. You are important to the scene. I just think, uh, to be really honest, you deserve more than what you 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 know you get to be known. I think you should uh, seeing the stuff that you've done, you know. And I compare I compare you right there up with Fatality. You probably know him, Jonathan Wendell. Yeah, I don't know if I would uh, go that far with the comparison, but I like to think within the uh, smallish community that is Rainbow Six Siege, I have uh, made an impact on some people. Oh, you have, you have, definitely, you have, even to me, man, because I, I, it's it's really hard to find people that know their stuff, also to find people that that are that you could trust what they say a lot of these a lot of these players you know i have always have my doubts okay and i'm like okay if super says it i'm gonna i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna agree with it you know you're very mature you know what you're talking about you know the stuff you know you know you know your your rainbow six you know the the pro scene about this you know and and i'm like this guy knows a lot about what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, I at least like to think so. And I do a good job of, uh, if I don't just pretending I do either way. So, you know, if you, if you, if you just talk and act like you're really confident, people yeah. will just believe you no matter what you're selling them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's so true. Hey, drink this water. It's phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> people will end up drinking it. Yeah. How did it all started for you, man? How how did gaming started for you? I mean, I started with I didn't have an Atari, but I did have the first Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, um 
I think most people who at least follow Siege or are familiar with who I am know that I'm older in terms of um, like the gaming community. I turn uh, 35 next year, uh, okay. and I was a pro until I was 33. So obviously, I that's a long time for a pro to play. Um, yeah, trying to like remember that long ago. Basically, I have been alive and playing video games since video games became a thing. Essentially, like. As far back as I can remember, I remember playing the original Nintendo, like Super Mario or like Duck Hunter and those kind of games and then Sega. And yeah, I mean, I it's like video games have I feel like for most kids of or most adults now of like my generation, video games were just like an ingrained part of their life, like growing up. And now like I'm one of the lucky people who get to continue having a career and being able to be involved in video games where, you know, obviously as you get older, a lot of other people are forced to or, or choose to just move on to something else. But yeah, I, uh, I don't know how I got started. I think it's just like, that's what people did when I was younger. That was the new thing. That's what everyone liked to, to do. It was the cool new thing. As weird as that sounds about video games. Yeah, it's it's definitely is is grown into a lot, you know, younger generations, and they that's the first thing they get into, either if it's with Nintendo or the DS, you know, handheld. Now you get gaming on your cell phones, you know, mm-hmm. and and you know it, it it comes to a point that now gaming is part of everybody's life. I don't care. And my mom plays Candy Crunch, you know. Well, I think that's what makes gaming one. That's why gaming is such a big industry. That's why people want to invest money into esports and video games and things like that. Is because with most things like sports, whatever it may be, uh, it's it's always going to be like more sided towards kids, towards adults, or maybe towards males or females. Very rarely is it kind of an everything like market. Mm-hmm. And for video games. What the truth is, is that old, young, middle-aged people, men and women, anybody can play. Anybody likes to play. It's not exclusive to anyone. And so it's basically a market that 100% of people are are can't are or can be interested in. So you're you're re- it's a huge target audience for advertisers, which puts obviously that's the money that goes into it. Yeah, there's a lot of money into it. I'm I'm in shock of how much money is into it. I did I didn't know until I started getting really deep into it and started looking how all these you know companies, uh, PC, uh, Nvidia, you know, from motherboards, everything you know mm-hmm. they attract you know, and people like they could they could choose to get. Yeah, you know, the the more known you are, you start getting sponsorships. Right, that's where you're gonna start making money as well. And uh, I even consoles as well, selling like crazy. You know, I I seen console come and go. I remember Dreamcast come and go. Uh, I remember 3DO. I don't know if you're probably familiar with that one. Uh, that was a the disc were like a record. You know, they were huge. Yeah, uh, coming on that failed, and Atari tried to make a comeback, and it failed, you know. But all these, all these companies, you know, they know there's money in it. Microsoft took a big risk with the first Xbox, and they made a really big boom with the 360, 
you know, so there's a lot of money. There is a lot of money in gaming. And now with the pro scene coming in, there's tons of money, tons of money. So a lot, a lot of these young guys, they try to build themselves, you know, try to grow. I see their, I mean, you probably know more than I do and I know you do, but I see them growing on their content, try to get good at what they're at. And then they try to go into pro scene, you know, try to go to pro league, no matter which game, it could be rainbow. It could be, it could be, uh, you know, Fortnite. you know, that's another one that's, you know, they make a lot of money as well. Yeah. The, what I always tell like up and coming players, because I mean, the truth is, is that like, so esports is a big, um, market obviously for games, but esports by the developers is essentially used as a like an advertising tool for those games. Like the reason Rainbow Six Siege, for instance, has a pro league is because it advertises the game. Uh, and that that's really the truth for anything. With like like the only one I would say maybe where it's kind of eclipsed the game itself is like Counter Strike, where like the Counter Strike esports scene kind of is the game. But like for most games, the av- like that's a way for them to advertise the game. So if the whole point of the esport is for them to try to advertise the game or advertise the players, then why would you as a player who in theory is like very good to obviously reach a pro level and people are interested in watching pro level, like especially in America, people love to watch people who dominate or are like very good right that's what that's what's interesting to them so i always tell like players is why would you not try to make content like whether you're streaming or doing youtube or like tiktok now and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. all you're doing is hurting yourself by not making content because you could end up giving yourself a career even if you don't become a successful pro player, if you're able to like turn your content into something that people enjoy. And obviously there is a issue, I think in esports as well, at least at the competitive side where like a lot of players aren't necessarily that comfortable, um, like in front of a camera or doing that kind of thing, you know, they kind of just want to, they just want to play the esport and be done with it. But like, I really think it's important for for perspective players to try to like come out of their shell if that is the case and and like put some stuff out there because what you also don't realize is like okay even if you're even if you don't really care about the content side for like oh you want to make money or you want to you become you know a bigger brand or whatever Mm -hmm. you're marketing yourself to the teams too because like if you're streaming all the time and let's say you're like a, a tier two level player right and this is for any game, but I'm using Siege as an example because I know you play Siege. Is like, <laughs> if you're like a tier two player and you stream all the time or you make videos, other pros, like pros will watch that. They'll check out your stream. If if they think you're decent at all, they'll check you out. And if they're watching your stream and you look like, hey, wait a minute, this guy looks like he's pretty good, then you could you could indirectly be giving yourself a chance at like becoming a pro player just by putting content out there. So... I mean, to me, there's a lot of benefits of content and not really a lot of downside. Uh, I think for a lot of people, it comes down to like time and comfortability. But I definitely think it's like if you are at all interested in turning gaming into a career in terms of like esports or like putting stuff out there, you have to do content like you just have to try to get comfortable with it. I think 
Didn't Bolo went through that? Well, yeah. I mean, some of these guys are so bit like Bo. Um, he he was such a big content creator before he even turned eighteen that like <laughs> people kind of thought that he wouldn't even bother to like pursue pro because he was already making so much money and he was already so like popular just from content. Correct. And obviously, like his passion directed him towards esport. But he was literally a 17 year old making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year Jeez. with the choice to like it was a choice for him. He just wanted to do it. And, you know, there are examples of that now. I think like uh, this Uzi is a guy who I think if he wanted to pursue esports, he probably could. But he makes a good amount of money doing content. So he, you know, he hasn't really pursued the esport. But it's like, isn't it nice to just have options? Like if you could set yourself up for oh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. I mean that I, you know what, I, you know, I mod for over like 30 pr players, uh, especially pros um, and the rainbow and including, and I got some also on, on Halo. And I tell these guys all the time, I said, listen, you're young, you have a future, but you got to remember that pro scene doesn't last a long a lifetime is not going to last, you know, 20, 30 years for you. You got to think yeah. about what's going to happen afterwards. You're like, yeah, yeah. And for some odd reason, you know, they're, they're just not, not thinking you got to capture and gain your followers and keep them close to you. Cause at the end, when you stop pro league, you stop competing, you can still have them and still have your following and still make money on the side while streaming, doing content creation. Yeah. Well, when you're young, you know, you're not thinking about the after you're like pursuing your dream or your passion. Right. For so like in this example, people want to be a pro player. So for a lot of people, they don't go to, you know, maybe after high school, they don't go to college. They don't really get a job or something. And they, they just put all their time into, um, becoming a pro player. And that's fine. Like if that's your dream and that's what you want to do, sure. But you also have to realize the sacrifices you're making to do that. And so if you're putting yourself in a position where time-wise, you're going to be a little bit behind because you didn't pursue uh, a secondary education or a trade school or, you know, get experience working in a job, you may as well try to turn that esport into more than just being a pro player and trying to turn it into something like you said, where, once you're done playing because the truth is is like my situation is very unique where i was able to play pro for so long most people they'll play a year and after that year they'll either get dropped and they won't be able to make it back to pro league or they'll prove they're good enough and they'll stick around and they'll play two three four maybe five years rainbow six siege is a game where it's like it's kind of been lucky enough where the game is now eight years old but most games don't have a pro you know, a pro league that lasts that long. So like at tops, you're, you're playing like four or five years usually in a pro league. And the truth is, is, you know, we, it's an esport, Sure. But, and this is not counting like the league of legends and the counter strikes and some of that. I'm like, like I said, for the, I think the purposes of this podcast, mainly we'll just talk siege since I know that's like both of us are more involved in that community. But mm -hmm. like, if you're a pro siege player, you're not making enough money at just as a player where that's going to set you up once you're done playing. Like, you know, a few of them with winnings and stuff like that are, are making probably over a hundred thousand, maybe $200,000 a year. If they're like a really successful player who wins a lot, but the majority of them are not. 
And unless you're doing content to like build your brand and make money on the side and bring sponsors, once you're done playing, you're not going to have like a lot to fall back on if you've sacrificed a lot for it. So it's important to have like to try to build something for yourself in terms of brand so that once you do stop playing, you have the option to where you could go back to school and you could stream and try to, you know, play, you know, pay for school or apartment or whatever while you're going to school, like whatever you want to do, pay for trade school, like mm -hmm. that kind of thing, like a former teammate of mine easily. He was able to he he was a pretty big streamer when he did it on Siege. And when he retired, he um, I think he went to a trade school and now he's become like an airplane mechanic. And, you know, that's a pretty high paying job. Yeah, and he's did. able to do that. He was literally only able to do that and support himself to do that because he made enough money by from the brand that he built for himself that it was he was able to like kind of carry himself to his next career by streaming. And if you don't have that option, then the truth is like when you're done playing, you won't have options of what you're going to do. You're going to be forced to just jump right into a job. Because if you're a, let's say a 24 year old who you finished playing pro league, you've never had a job. You didn't go to school. All you've done is play whatever video game and you didn't really build any brand for yourself. Like if you're lucky enough, your parents will maybe be able to support you still at that age. But the truth is like, if you're a 24 year old, like, you should have some experience out there because it's going to be you're not going to look as attractive to jobs hiring if you're a 24 year old and your experience is you played video games so mm -hmm. it's it's important to like this is not something that a young adult is going to be thinking about who's pursuing a passion in video gaming but it is something that you need to consider like establishing a brand even if it's against your comfortability is important because you never know what it could lead to and maybe it like can protect you a little bit down the road when it comes to a point when you when you kind of need to figure out what you want to do after after playing that is that is so true i even told uh i even told this to to packer you know packer yeah and um and i and i and i explained it to him i said listen you know stream as much as you can often you know build your own your own fan get your own community because you never know. There was one thing that stuck to my mind that my favorite Siege player is actually Kickstar. Mm -hmm. He's the one, me seeing him got me really into, because I was a Battle 4 field guy, a battle, Battlefield guy. And once I saw, I think it was on YouTube, I saw Kickstar. I'm like, who is this guy? And I was like, wow. And I saw that seven second kill, you know, ace that he did. And that just like blew my mind. But there's one thing that he said. He said, the reason why I don't want to go back into pro scene uh, and compete again, because I, it's basically like what he was saying that he didn't want to feel like he's walking on eggshells. He says, you never know. They could, they could say, hey, you're no longer with us. I mean, that's 100% true in regards to, and I think this is an issue for every game is like, in esports, job security is very like fickle. You know, if you you could yeah. get dropped or benched at any moment, and you know maybe another team wants you, but if not, what are you going to do? And it's not like, uh, let's say you're a professional baseball player and you get benched and you're still getting paid your full amount and your contracts all guaranteed. And like, you know, some esports maybe they're lucky enough to have things like that, but and the majority of esports, you know, if you get benched, it's a much reduced pay rate the contracts aren't necessarily going to be guaranteed. So, you know, and the truth is, is like as a competitive player, it is like 
and this is kind of anything with anything competitive sports, whatever, especially if you're on a team is it's much more stressful to be a competitive player because you're always thinking about winning. If you're doing bad, you're, you're in the back of your mind. You're like, Oh, like, are these guys going to try to kick me off the team? So Correct. Ve- yeah. very few players get in a position where they can kind of like call their own shots and kind of dictate what's going on on the team. And maybe those are the guys who are a little bit more comfortable, but yeah, for, if you, if you have the, like, for most people, if you have the option to do content or do like an esport, they would choose the content because it's you're setting your own schedule. You it's much less stressful. But you know, for for a lot of people, like for me, for example, I have like the competitive desire where I wanted to like compete and play and like try to be the best. And not everybody obviously is gonna feel that way. For some people, it's just like I don't. I don't need to deal with the stress. I could just make more because the truth is, you if you if you build your brand up, you'll make more doing content creation than you would um, from like esport anyway. Correct. Yeah, that's what basically like the route you you took. You know, you you started as a pro, and then you you became now you know content creator for for Sonics, and then you stuck with Sonic. I mean, you've been with Sonic since you first started, right? Well, that's not even necessarily true. I, mm-hmm. after playing, I'm the general manager of Sonics, and I actually, like, I have a pretty big brand for myself that I built while I was playing. But like, I consider myself a part-time streamer. Like, I don't. If you look at my like hours on Twitch, for instance, correct. I, I'm like under like sixty hours a month generally, uh, which that's nothing. If you you know, that's basically co-streaming NAL and that kind of thing. So like. I don't even consider myself a full-time streamer. And the truth is, is I could support myself just by streaming if I wanted to, but like that, that's not really my goals weren't to become a content creator. It was just kind of something that, uh, happened because I guess just the way I am, maybe more outspoken or whatever people enjoy in terms of like, at least insight into siege. But yeah, I mean, um, Obviously, I think my situation is pretty unique in that I was able to go from player to the general manager of the org. So, you know, uh, I'm essentially in charge of our teams for any of our games now. And then I still have the ability to stream uh, a decent amount that people seem to enjoy. But yeah, I mean, my, my, I, I, I certainly think I'm um, lucky to have landed with Sonics and, you know, be given all these opportunities. Um but at the same time, for a lot of people, I would just say, like, you never know what an opportunity can lead to. So you should put, like, as much effort as you can into it because, uh, you know, I my entire life was, like, grinding and trying to do everything I could to build my brand, to build the org's brand, to help the Siege team, to help wherever I could. And obviously, that's created something for me. And you know, if you do reach the pro level, I think it's important to just like, I think some people get there and they're like, okay, I made it. And it's like, no, it's just begun. Now you think you made it because you became a pro. No, (laughs) now you're going to play against people who are really going to show you like, (laughs) like I'll be honest. Like I, as a pro, I was, I had a pretty successful career. I made a lot of majors and, you know, world championships. Mm -hmm. And even when you go to those tournaments as somebody who's like, more accomplished than most like me you get to those tournaments and you play some of those guys and you're like that person is on an entirely different level than me and we're both at this major tournament wow and it's just 
it like you kind of i think for a lot of people you kind of have to make it to those tournaments to really realize that like how different the levels go but yeah, yeah it's it's a grind to get to pro and then once you get to pro it's another grind to stay and then to get to a point where like you're essentially you're the guy calling the shots you're the guy that like other people are worried about yeah you gotta go i feel like you gotta go on sweat mode as soon as you go up there uh you gotta like really put 100 percent because you know now you're competing against people that they're to your same level or higher that have more experience i mean i could i could just imagine the folks that you know have to face you know like for example shiko yeah <laughs> it's like whoa wait one second this guy is totally different. You know, what the heck? Now I, I have know. to I have a um, yeah, I funny enough, you mentioned Shiko. So um at the in 2021, uh, I had never played Shiko and we put we had BDS in our group in the Mexico major. And mm-hmm. I remember playing them and I was just like this was on the old consulate and I was sitting in the garage between like if you played the, if you play Rainbow, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, then this is like I'm speaking like a different language to you. But I was sitting between the black car and the white van, like looking through the window towards the yellow door. And I just see like this figure go like this, like a little jiggle peek. And a nade just comes through, flies through the window and just explodes right in my face. And Shaco just naded me. And I was just like, I mean, there's literally nothing I could have done. I was just like, well, yeah. that guy's is different, I guess. But. So, you know, that, that kind of is for a lot of people, that's going to be motivation that there's as good as I am, or as much of I, as I've achieved, this guy's better or this guy's achieved more. And so it's like you, the goal of any comp player should always be to, to win. Right. And if you think that guy's better or you don't think you can beat him, you got to figure out a way that you're going to beat him. And if that's not how you think, I don't really think you have the mindset of a comp. Like you're not what I would say is like a world a world-class player because some people are fine like some people will just say shiko's better or not like we're using shiko as an example but some people will, ha- will be fine saying this guy's just better i can't beat him and it's like well you just told me you're a loser yeah you, you got to find out it, you got to do everything you can to beat him and even if you give a hundred percent if you do everything you possibly can and you still can't beat him at least you'll be able to know that you did everything you can. But if you just are like accepting, like that's that guy's better. I'll never be able to do that. It's like, you're cutting well, you'll, you'll never be able to do that because you just gave up the, the first, the first hurdle, you know? Yeah. That I, I, for some odd reason, I see like these, okay. NA teams versus, you know, and EU teams, you know, for example, uh, you know, BDS and all them. Do you feel like they have a different style of playing? It's like so. Well, I think every region, and this is not just siege specific. Uh, I think this is for every game, but every region plays differently. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. in siege, I think North America have typically been more of a structured environment. They're more uh, the the way the teams play is more like abc it's like very structured and in the the meta's changed so right now i do think it's a little more crazier like brazil have always been known to be very aggressive and take a lot of risks and eu have always been kind of like very calculated and they, they play like cut off they like to cut off the map a, a lot and then apac have always just been 
run around and just take gunfights and do everything crazy. So every region does play the game differently, which is why the international tournaments are always the best because you see how the differing play styles like compete against each other. And right now, uh, obviously the Brazilian play style seems to be the best They're, They've been the most successful over the last year or so. Um, but yeah, I think that that translates to every game is regions see the game differently. And then obviously they're all practicing against each other. So it just evolves in that region, but you're not practicing like, North America is not practicing against Brazil or North America is not practicing against Europe very much. So it's not going to be a, you're not going to get that style really blended in until these international tournaments. And then what happens is you play the international tournaments. Everybody sees, Oh, Brazil is the best. So all the other teams are like, we need to try to emulate this. We have to try to play like that. So then everybody's trying to play like Brazil and Brazil are changing to something else. And it, it's just a constant evolving cycle of somebody's ahead and everybody else is trying to play catch up. Like in Rainbow Six right now, W7M, by far the best team. They've won the last two majors. They're, you know, a lot of people call them like the new G2 dynasty kind of team. Mm-hmm. Everybody's watching their games, trying to figure out why they're so good, how they play. And everybody's going to try to play like them. But the truth is, is you're not going to be able to play like them, right? Like you can try to copy the style but they're going to be bet if you're trying to beat them playing their style, they're going to beat you. It's their style, right? So you got to find what can beat this style, not just copy it. And well, don't copy that, it. that's kind of the uh, the evolution of of metas and games, I guess I would say. Now, you guys, I mean, you guys brought in Citizen. Yeah. Have you guys implemented anything that Citizen did in EU, like bringing it a little bit more to the NA? yeah i I mean ben has obviously had his input and thoughts on like some things that g2 did or some teams or some things that teams do in eu and some of it has worked for us and some of it hasn't the truth is is like some of that stuff is eu meta and like just the na players are not that comfortable playing with it and some of it has like helped us and for him i think it's also like he's um, been trying to adapt to like how NA plays. Cause like, if you looked at his statistics from the first stage he played in NA, he, it wasn't very good. And then, you know, he played, uh, the NA qualifier for that major and he was the number one rated player in that qualifier. And then one of the highest rated players at the major. And then this last NAL stage that we won, he was, uh, I think the highest rated player on our team and one of the highest rated players in the league. So it's like, it does it, like even he had to take time to adapt just to a new region because it, you know the play styles are different. Yeah, that's what that's what I kind of thought that he would he would have to adapt uh, a lot because he's so accustomed to a different style. And then coming with the Sonics, he would have to give up some some different type of techniques that he was using, you know, because it's so totally different, you know. Mm-hmm. This is what he was. He was. Well, you also have like a like. I like to think, especially towards the end of my career, that I was like my teams were very dominant in North America because I knew exactly how every single North American team played. Like I knew every team in NA plays slightly different. They like to do s- certain things. I know, like they're better at certain maps than others, or I was able to like counter them easier on certain maps than others. So like. I knew how every single team and every single player in my region played by the time I was like done playing. And I'm sure Ben probably had that same thing in EU where he's playing against all the same people all the time. He knows how all the teams play. He knows how 
all the players play, the differences and the teams and things like that. If you go to a new region and you're playing a bunch of players that you're not very familiar with and a bunch of teams that you're not very familiar with, it's going to take some uh, like getting used to. Yeah, I that's I that's what I, I thought, you know, because it's, it's, it's so competitive, this game, and, and a lot of people don't know. And, you know, no matter, Citizen is phenomenal. I, I looked him up once you told me about him. You know, you, you remember I, I DM'd you one time and you're like, no, this guy is like one of the best. And I was like, okay, let me check him out. And when I started researching on him, I was like, wow, Sonic's got a treasure in their group. Yeah. yeah. And that's going to be very beneficial to having a, a player that's from a different region come into the team. I mean, Sonic's doing phenomenal. I'm going to be really upfront with you. And I know, um, that you're you, as a manager. I mean, you're a manager, and I'm sure that you have you have your own pressure. You got your own stress that you got to make sure this team always ends up on top five. Well, so the difference is is there are team managers and general. Like I'm the general manager for the whole org, so it's not just Rainbow Six I have to worry about. It's PUBG right now. We have we just have the two teams, but we normally have more than that. So. I have to worry about the success of both teams because as a general manager, my job is I build the teams essentially, and I'm responsible for how they perform. Um, like a manager can strictly focus on one game. For me, I have to focus on multiple games and obviously I come from siege. So it's easier for me to deal with siege than some of these other games. Cause like, for instance, uh, if I'm hopping into rocket league, I, I don't really know much about Rocket League. I watch it. I can You can kind of tell who's good and who's not just from watching it. And we obviously have like some statistics and stuff that help you with that. But finding like a team manager or a coach in these kind of games that you can kind of trust to build a team or help build a team and like have the right play style, that's important. It's like... I consider my job is like, I need, if I'm entering a new game, the number one thing for me is I either need to like have a star player that I just know, like has a history of just being kind of the man or whatever in that game. Or I need a coach that I can, like I talk to and I think they're smart and they have like a vision and just go with that. Because I, I think it's foolish to just like pretend that, because we've had this in siege is where some orgs will just come in and they'll just build a team, but they're not really following like a certain philosophy or the, or they're the person they're putting in charge of their team has no history or like there's nothing that you would credit them with that you would think they have the ability to build like a, a championship team. So it's like, you have to, if you're entering a game and you don't have really have the experience in that, you have to like start from the top to to have like a foundation for the team. Cuz otherwise it's 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 not going to work cuz you're going to have a bunch of different ideologies. You're probably going to end up changing your coaches all the time because they'll they'll probably be fighting or people trying to drop each other and it's just like, you know, uh, I I think if you're the manager of a team in a game, your main responsibility is to like establishing a foundation that the team can can be built upon you, you know and i i think there are some managers or coaches out there who are more interested in protecting their own job really than like helping the team actually have success it's always like a problem that i have with some coaches and this is a player issue too 
is when things are going bad, it's it's never how are we going to fix this? How can I make this team the best it could possibly be? It's like, who do I need to drop for this team to get better? Who do I need to get rid of for the team to get better? You have to try to fix it before you get to that point. If you just if your immediate response is always next up, that's that's not a that's not like a coach mentality or a player mentality. That's just like you're essentially just giving up and you're not trying to improve. You know, it when you to me, when you get to the point where you're making a roster change, you've you should have extinguished every possibility that you could have to make it work. And if and then at that point you're you're saying, okay, there's just nothing else we can try here. It's just been too much. Now we move on. You 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 at least know that you tried everything you could. Yeah. I that's I think that goes for every job. You know, you 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 know, where you work, you get a verbal warning, you get a first warning, second, third, and then if you on the third one, you don't cut it, you're out. Yeah. You know, yeah. nothing you could do. And that is a, that's sad as some managers will do that, you know, okay, you're not performing. You, you didn't help out. You lost in this tourney. I think it goes back to what you said earlier is especially in esports, the, like your job security is very fickle. So for some people, they're more interested in protecting and I, and I understand why, but they're more interested in protecting their own job than, you know, kind of focusing on the team aspect of it. Like if you're always blaming or you're always saying this person's the issue, that person's the issue, guess who's never the issue? You. So you'll survive and everybody else is going to go. But guess what? It gets to a point where I've changed everybody else on the team and we're still not very good. And you're the only common denominator left. So, you know, you may as well try to make it work before you start, you know, play in the blame game because I think if people know enough about the games, like they, they'll see through that. And you think the owners are like very aware of this issue? I think it probably depends from organization to organization because some owners are probably more involved than others in the day-to-day operations. Like some of these, some of the guys that own orgs are billionaires, multi, multi, multi millionaires are CEOs of huge companies there. I don't think they're probably sitting there watching their, you know, Rainbow Six Siege teams suck and being like, what is he doing? You know, you know, they're, they're yeah. just, I, I think there's some involvement from like some orgs and probably the others. They just, you know, throw some money at it and say, make it work. Wow. Yeah. Cause I notice like some, some owners, you, you'll see them more and they'll tweet about it or, you know, and some, you don't even know who they are. It's like, okay. Who's the owner of this organization here? Well, I think that's an interesting thing in esports. And to be honest, I think, you know, right now we're kind of under the esports reckoning a little bit where it seems like a lot of orgs are falling out or a lot of the way money's being spent is much differently nowadays is where esports is interesting because you can have a game where one team has basically unlimited amounts of money. You know, a billionaire owns the organization, for instance, and Mm -hmm. another team in the same league could be owned by one guy who's paying for it with his YouTube money. And it's just like, they're all in the same competitive field, but you know, in traditional sports, sure. You're going to have the small mark. Like I'll use baseball as an example. You have the Oakland A's against the New York Yankees and that kind of thing. Right. But yeah, like at the end of the day, all the guys that owns these teams are still billionaires. Right. 
in in the esports scene like it is way all the backgrounds of the teams are much much different and uh i i do think like using na for an example there's a drastic difference right now in north american um pro league because some of the orgs are paying um you know that middle middle to high uh income and some of the orgs are honestly offering hundreds or very low thousands of dollars a month and how is a team that's paying i'll use an example 500 dollars a month going to compete with a team that's paying eight thousand dollars a month like you just realistically can't because you also can't play again if you're the Oakland A's and you're a ball player on the Oakland A's and they're a small club, you're still getting paid a few hundred thousand dollars a year. Correct. If you're playing for a bottom pro league team and you're getting paid $500 a month, you can't play full time. Like that's not a realistic situation. So you're also not only getting paid less and you probably have worse players because the best players aren't going to play for that, but you also can't practice as much as the best team. So it's kind of an, in, a never ending cycle of, how the how the how the hell are you going to ever beat them and like it, yeah. it becomes an issue where the goal of the players on the team is literally to just not win on the team they're on it's to try to show that they're good enough that they can get on one of those other teams and that's a problem because half the league's competitive half the league is trying to get on the other five teams yeah talking about that with the yankees i i uh espn did some uh like um like a segment on that uh a lot of these players they their goal is to end up with the yankees i mean i I think in professional sports that's kind of common where like for instance i grew up in dallas so obviously i'm a huge cowboys fan or dallas mavericks or texas rangers fan right and like you grow up and your aspiration is i want to be i want to be the quarterback for the dallas cowboys and you know some people are lucky enough to where yeah that becomes a possibility their goal is to get on the dallas cowboys and that that that's the goal with esports orgs is that people grow up watching these teams and these games and this is what's interesting about some of these games like league or counter-strike where they've actually been around and this is happening in siege too but where they've been around long enough to where people were growing up watching these teams and they've became huge fans of these teams or players and they want to be on that team that's like the goal of esports is that the brand becomes the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Yankees where people right. want to be on the team just because it's that team. Like that's the end goal. Cause the money in esports or for these orgs at the end of the day, all of the money is the brand. Like that's, what's worth money. The sponsors care about your brand. The players care about your brand. The fans care about the brand. What your right. brand is, is what's worth. That's what makes Dallas Cowboys the most valuable f- sports franchise in the world. Cause you can say Dallas Cowboys to people in Europe and they'll know what you're talking about. They'll say, why is it called football? They play with their hands, but everybody knows the name. It's a, it's a, it's a brand. It's a brand. Yeah. Well, I, I, I could imagine how many players felt when TSM left because a lot of them wanted to go to TSM. Yeah. I mean, I think with TSM leaving, that was, um, I know the TSM team had been struggling a bit and, you know, obviously we know TSM, the org, has undergone a lot of issues uh, after the FTX thing, it seems like, where you right. know they even got out of league. So I don't think that was like a siege-only issue. But yeah, I mean, that I know for a lot of players, that was like, oh, like what's happening in siege, you know? Obviously, it turns out that that was a bigger thing than just siege. It was TSM, the org, was having issues. But like, mm-hmm. that was like a doomsday for a lot of players. It's like, 
if TSM is leaving, and at the time I think they were the defending world champions, then yeah. what like what's what? what hope do I have? Like, you know, what team am I gonna be on? Is it even worth pursuing? Yeah, what I'm gonna do now, what what where I'm gonna go. Yeah. You know, they they're just like, okay, my my head my goal was to join this team, this Oregon, and now they're no longer. So what are you gonna do now? You know? And that that's that's kind of crazy because you know a lot of these, a lot of the guys you know they think about the money because I I know TSM was paying a lot to these yeah. players they're paying paying insanely a lot of money I mean the money is important because like we already mentioned the esport careers aren't very necessarily long and like the truth is is unless you're playing one of those major franchise games you're probably not going to make like life changing money anyway you're going to make enough to be sustainable or if you're lucky like I said. A hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year if you win a lot. It's like the difference between making being on a top team, what making a hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and being on a mid tier team making forty thousand dollars a year. Like, dude, that's a huge difference, especially for people who have sacrificed a lot to get to that point. Like, having some money, you know, banked up for when you're when you're moving on. Like, that's that's a big deal. Like, you want to be on, and that's why those teams are obviously more competitive, but. The the money is obviously money. Everybody can say because it's true. You do play for the passion. You do pay for to to compete and everything. But at the end of the day, I mean, you got to say like the money. The money is what drives everything, right? Like yeah. this this room I'm in. I bought this house with money I made from playing Siege. Like wow. you asked me five years ago. Uh, like this is a funny story. I played on Era like six years ago and i made six invitational the second six invitational mm -hmm. on pc so we were a really good team to make six invitational i was making 800 dollars a month on that team wow right when i retired from playing i was making over a hundred thousand dollars and i was able to buy a house by the time i by the time i stopped playing i was literally able to retire i moved to pennsylvania where the sonics are based out of and i bought my own house and that's with five years of playing that game and building my brand and nothing else. I didn't have any kind of side job that was all from siege. And it's like, you can set yourself up like that wow. or you can be complacent and not want to build a brand. Not want to like, it is a game, but to a lot of people it, cause I, I hate when people say it's just a game. It's like, it is a game, but to some people, this is their, like, this is their fucking life. Like people would die. Like this is their passion. This is what people literally would die. People would die to be a pro player, right? Like, correct. Like you can't, I, I hate when people downplay, Oh, you're just a pro at a game. It's like, dude, would you say that to like a bench? Would you say that to an NBA player? Cause it's essentially the same thing. Like Correct. You're yeah. chasing your passion to be a professional basketball player. Well, guess what? Not everybody's six foot five and forty inch vertical, <laughs> right? Being a esport professional esport player is more obtainable for most people. Yeah. Like I, I hate that shit when you want to downplay. Oh, you just play video games. It's like, no, I don't just play video games. I'm the fucking best at this video game. Correct. You compete and and this is your your life and and your career. This is why. That's one of the main. That's like what we were talking about before. That's why I, you know, advise a lot of these players, Hey, get into content, stream your stuff, mm -hmm. you know, um, build a rapport on, you know, social media, you know, get out there. Um, what, 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 what I find kind of like 
I'm trying to figure out how did Jinxie ended up where he's at right now. I mean, he turns on his console and he's already pulling 40,000 viewers. Okay. And he's not a pro player. I don't think I, I like Jinxie is a very funny person and he, he grinded a lot. Cause I remember seeing Jinxie when he had like a hundred viewers, like he's yeah. put in a ton of time to that and he's entertaining. And like, this is the truth is like, unless you are just so unbelievably good at this game or any game, like most people don't really care. Like the esports. Like using Rainbow Six Siege as an example, the casual audience of the game is much bigger than the esport audience, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you can't just market yourself as like I'm a pro player. Watch me play. Like, you'll get fifty, hundred views, sure. But if you want to be a bigger deal than that, like, you got to offer something else. And the truth is, is like for most people, you have you just have to be like entertaining, be funny, like the easy. And I know you can't just say, oh, be funny. Some people are just not funny. But like, yeah, that's the truth is like. You have to if you're streaming, you got to sit there and talk to chat. You got to have like reactions. You have to have a personality. You can't just be like, unless you are just so unbelievably good that people will just watch you play because they're amazed at like how good you are. You got to mm -hmm. have like a personality. You can't just be, you know, a, a piece of paper playing a video game because like there's 50 different you know there's 20 pros streaming i'll watch the one that's funny right like yeah that, <laughs> that's that's true because i mean you think about it you got these other content creators like dr disrespect you know he has this character you know obviously well, he has unbelievable production as well like his stream production is that's one of the things that made him like so popular is it's not just his character but his stream production around his character elevates the stream to where it's like, wow, like this is yeah. like, this is just, this guy's funny and he's putting, look at what you can tell how much effort he's putting into like all this shit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm kind of amazed that I don't think he's, he's a partner with any organization. I know SSG I mean, for most, see the, like the truth is for most content creators, there's not that big. It kind of goes both ways a little bit. But like, if you're a huge, like, let's say you're Dr. Disrespect and you sign to an org, there's a potential because King, I'll use King George as an example, actually. If King George is signed to an org, there's a potential that a conflict with the org sponsor as opposed to himself could prevent him from having a sponsorship. If you're, a, if you're just a content creator on your own, you're never going to have anything that prevents you from being able to take sponsorships. So like, mm -hmm. And, and to be honest, like as from an org, I always use this example It's like XQC, who's probably the most famous streamer in the world, like the biggest streamer in the world. Right. He just signed that like a hundred million dollar deal with kick or whatever. Right. XQC, oh, yeah. XQC was signed to luminosity gaming for years. Who the fuck knew XQC was on luminosity gaming? I, I, right. I'm just right now. And how much money did they have to pay him to be part of their org? So like at the same time, for a content creator, is it worth signing to the org to potentially lose sponsors? Unless you can work your contract where, you know, it's not going to conflict. From an org, is it worth it to spend this much money on a content creator when, like, you, if you're going to spend that much money, you got to make sure you are utilizing them in your marketing. Like, I think SSG does a really good job with Jinxie. He probably helps him sell a ton of, like, skins in Siege. 
But like oh. using that XQC example, there's no fucking like nobody <laughs> fucking cares that XQC was on Luminosity. No. Nobody, nobody. Even, you're just finding out. Yeah, I'm just finding out now. It's like <laughs> if you're gonna like you have to think about how you're gonna use it. It's not just, oh, we have this big name for us. It's like, okay, well, and yeah. Take take advantage, you know, because it's it there and there. It's very hard. I mean, I if I was an owner of an organization uh, or general manager as yourself, you know, I would make sure if I'm going to bring somebody, have a content creator, I got to make sure. I want to make sure this person has a good rapport. Um, mm-hmm. That that is good. That I it won't jeopardize the the organization. Um, I mean, that's with anybody. That's with the like, that's something that players should also keep in mind. If you have any competitive aspiration, I always say this one, don't be a dickhead to other players because like this has happened a lot with like up and coming players where they talk shit or whatever. And like, guess what? You ended up talking shit to the wrong guy. And that's the guy on the pro team that you're trying to get on. And now you can't get on that team. So like, keep it to yourself nobody's going to think you're cooler because you're roasting somebody in like a chat and don't you know i know times have changed a lot and especially you know like i call this like the cancel era where people look for a reason to basically cancel you mm-hmm. like choose your words wisely a lot of times it's going to be better if you don't have the ability to identify like political correctness just keep mm-hmm. like just choose your words wisely because you could say the wrong thing and then that'll stop you from getting on a team. Like yeah. even if even if you didn't mean anything by it, you could just say something like as in a stupid joke or whatever gets taken the wrong way. It, it's just like if you're trying to be a, a player and you're coming up and things like that, just be very careful about how you like your how you portray yourself, right? Like. I just think that 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 has ended up being an issue for some people, unfortunately. It it is. Um, as a matter of fact, that's what basically I do for Wildcard. Um, you know, they got me in as a, a communication Twitch slash specialist. Um, I'd be reading all the the stuff, rules and regulations, what these guys are doing. You know what mm-hmm. what they're putting in and implementing on rules. Now and day, you know, and I tell them if you're streaming, let me know. I usually I get the notification. I'm going to be watching. If I say, look at your DM, go immediately to your DM. Um, um, something you did that you shouldn't have said or whatever. And you're going to have to do something about it because it could, uh, you know, the organization doesn't want any involvement of anything, you know, of political stuff or whatever. Uh, for an example, I even try to help out uh, Thakil, Thakil, T-H-A-Q-I-L. Mm-hmm. And I say, hey, listen, if you want me, I'll, I'll help you. I'll mod for you. Because over certain hours, he, he'll he'll be playing and I'm, I have some free time and, and I used to, you know, watch him. And none of his mods gave him like, hey, you shouldn't say this joke. Be very careful. You know, I would have told him, listen, tell me the joke first. And I will tell you, yeah, you could say that live. But he went in and said it. And it was a black and white joke. Guess what? He lost his charm. Immediately they took it out. Now, if he was a pro player, he would have had to been, he would have had to been kicked. 
no matter how simple it was. And he was like, it was just a silly, dumb, doesn't matter. You would have asked me, I would have told you, make a reference between a tiger and a lion. Don't use color. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm not really that familiar with the situation, but I do think like, it kind of goes back to what I just said. You just always have to keep in mind the like political correctness of what you're you're saying and like identifying because um, I think I was always pretty good at this because obviously I'm known as more uh, controversial, but I was pretty good at always kind of towing the line um, and like understanding what would be like even like trash talk and stuff like that. You never want to go too far. Like, for instance, nothing like I fucking hate when people if you want to trash talk somebody in the game and call them a bad player, a bad coach, whatever you get shit on all that kind of stuff, right? Whatever. But then people are going to start calling them ugly or fat or stupid. And it's like, you, you want to talk about somebody's physical appearance because they're better than you at a video game. Like, are you a loser? Like I, I hate when things like, to be honest, I just don't think anything should ever get like personal. And obviously people elevate it to that level a lot. And it's just like understanding, like, it's it's really not that serious like oh you you're worse than this person so you need to try to hurt their feelings like okay big man you know you're so tough kind of thing it's just like for i it's a lot most of the time it's just going to be better to uh stay out of it or not say anything at all yeah now do you put your your players under you know that structure that rule like okay guys i mean my rule for the players is like don't be stupid if you do something stupid you 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 know what happens like yeah like to me if you can't control yourself to where you are um acting in a positive manner uh like you're not really somebody that I want on my team anyway. Like I shouldn't have to give you a rule set of how a human should behave that people are not going to be offended by. I should be able to trust you to not be a jackass. And if you're a jackass, well, then I I don't have time for you. No matter how good they are. I mean, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Some, I know, you know, there's some people think since they're the best on their team, and they're like the number Nobody one. Nobody is ever irreplaceable. It's that's that is my rule of thumb. That goes even where where I work, you know, and I work in a hospital. And I hear, you know, the nurses complaining and people complain. I said, remember, you could be replaced tomorrow. Trust me. There's a line I of mean, people. Yeah, like with anything in the like any kind of job, especially in yeah. like esports, it's like there are a million people waiting to take your spot. Yeah, a lot. Right. And like, okay, maybe, the, maybe this guy uh, isn't as good of a player as you, but maybe he'll have a better attitude and maybe he'll put in more effort and that's fine. You know, I, it, when it comes to content creation, I, I notice there are certain people, their attitudes, their, their egos, they're very cocky. And I don't want to mention any names, but you know, you know, this person, and I and I gone to his stream and it's just like brags so much about what he has, brags about how much money he makes, or brags about the stuff that he buys. And I'm like, dude, for what? 
you know, and then, you know, they always stick out, you know, when he was, you know, a pro and all this and that. And, and I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I'm just like, when is super coming on? <laughs> you know, because honestly, you know, usually I think the more humble and, and it's the best approach to take things, especially in sport, it, 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 you'd be more in favor. I think, the truth is, I think most like professional athletes, whether it's in esports or anything, they're going to have an ego because that's kind of like a little bit. That's like a confidence thing. Like you're you're better than this person. Like, but you have to be able to like differentiate your ego within the game to like your actual life. And like I take I always take that kind of shit where people are like, I'll do it sometimes jokingly. Right. Like uh-huh. you can you can brag like jokingly or whatever. Be like funny. But if people are like seriously doing that, I always just take that as like insecurity is like, oh, you're you're trying to prove to everybody else how much you have or how much better you are than them. Like to me, you're that's like an insecure thing. A confident person does not need the approval of everyone else to. And, and like that's kind of how my whole career operated is a lot of people didn't like me. And then some people ended up liking me because I don't really give a fuck what like somebody if I say something and I support this or I support that. Some people are not going to like it. And some people are, and I don't really give a shit either way. But I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'm confident that what I'm saying is what I believe, and um, I, I feel like if you're, I, I'm not seeking like the approval from people. You'll either, it's just like some people like the thought, and some people won't. And I feel like if you're always like going out of your way to like impress people or brag or make yourself feel more important to other people then it's just like i mean i i don't know if it's for everyone but i see through that that's just like insecurity yeah it's it's like a it's very immature way to how to how to approach things you know and and do things i will say uh, sorry to interrupt you but i will say like going back to that thought that i think a lot of that does come from in esports a ton of people are younger and i think that is part of growing up as well as like Cause I, I won't lie when I was younger, I made like some stupid purchases cause I thought it was cool or I thought my friends would think it was cool or whatever. Like you grow up and you realize like, you know, I've got a pair of thousand dollar tennis shoes in the closet. That's kind of fucking stupid. I don't even wear them, but it was really cool for like a couple of months, you know, five years ago. It's like, <laughs> okay. Like it's, it's to me, it is part of growing up. Like I, I do get that, but I do think like if you're a 25 year old man doing that, then like, maybe you need to hit the fast forward on the growing up part. You gotta, you gotta go. I'm in my forties. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I never been that. I mean, I was raised very, very, very poor in Puerto Rico. Um, very poor. And, and I just learned to appreciate the little things. Um, even people when they donated gifts, you know, or whatever here, take this, you know, and, and, um, I never forget one day what I was, I was working when I got out of high school, I went to go ahead and study in the hotel industry because it's like, you know, like me, I'm now in Florida is a big mm-hmm. thing to go into the, into the hotel industry. So I'm um, working at Disney or et cetera. So I worked in a hotel and there was this guy um, that was at, at a mini bar just bragging how much money he made and how much money he makes and stocks and all this and that. And he was wearing a, I think he said he was, had a, 
a $3,000 suit and all this and that. And it was just bragging the whole entire night. And I think it's because there were some ladies there and they were drinking. And I think he was trying to get their attention. Mm-hmm. And this guy, shorts, sandals, feet all dirty, <laughs> button shirt. He went up to him and said, listen, the day you make the amount of money that I make and I have, you would never have to brag ever again. <laughs> when they told him, you know, what does he do? He owns like this big, yeah, he's oh, okay. He, you know, people were like, whoa. Yeah. And he asked, who was that guy? You know, the older guy. And then he goes, he's the owner of this big, massive company that ships, you know, food and goods overseas, you know. So he's just like a billionaire, mm-hmm. like a company there and there's some people you just don't know you know and and they just don't need to brag about it you know and and it having people brag and and just show you know all this stuff it just it's not good it's it's really not good you know it's i i always tell all these guys stay humble stay humble be quiet keep your mouth shut because you never know because one day one in the future you may want to go to a team but you've been so toxic against them they probably would never will pick you up. Yeah. And, um, and that'll be very, really, really sad. And so it, 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 it kind of like at the end of the day, you just got to be humble. I, I, I really admire that. you know, and I, I see, I, I like the way how you, you, uh, you do your thing, you know, and you, you have this dry sense of humor sometimes and you just like say some things. And I think that's what captivates a lot of people going into your stream, you know? And I always say the way who you are show, you know, your chat that you have will be the same way. If you're toxic, you're going to have a toxic group. It's really weird. how I notice how the algorithm, you know, is with, with Twitch. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, uh personality of the streamer um people who have similar personalities usually are going to gravitate towards that streamer right like uh if you find you know i'll I'll use jinxie as an example right he has kind of like a younger uh generation humor and so a Mm -hmm. lot of like people who are attracted to that kind of humor uh they like watching jinxie and it's extremely popular um you know using myself as an example I don't have the same type of humor as Jinxie. And I think like an, an older generation think I'm funny, but I yeah. guarantee that Jinxie's viewers for the most part probably would not think I'm very funny. So like people just yeah. gravitate towards, you know, what their own generations or, or what, uh, you know, similar personalities. That is, that is so true because I mean, I'm going to reveal my age. You're going to try you wait. I always say that I'm the same age as Dr. Disrespect, which I am not. Mm-hmm. I am actually 46. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to say, one time I said it to, I was playing with some people and they're like, oh, you want to play next? I was like, yeah, sure. And then they asked me, hey, how old are you? I said, oh, I'm 45 or something like that. It's about a year ago. Like, oh, okay. And I noticed a cold shoulder all of a sudden. I was like, dang. Oh, no, man. Listen, a friend of mine, I'm going to invite him. And I was like, okay, fine. No problem. And then I said, okay, next time when they ask me this, I'm well, just going to If you think it. about it, like the majority, like I won't say the majority, but a lot of people who are playing games are like younger 20s, teens, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the older you are, and this goes back to what I said earlier, is like 
video games are a thing for everyone right but yeah. that means everyone can play and so like you know if i'm 35 or you're 46 or my dad's 60 i, I don't you know is a 21 year old an 18 year old a 19 year old really going to want to play with you because to be honest i'd probably feel weird about playing with like uh <laughs> you know like we have a guy who's joining our siege team who is uh 17 he turns 18 next year i'm mm -hmm. literally twice this guy's age like wow. if i was still playing i would feel weird i'd be like dude am i allowed to even like talk like what are the rules here can i even talk to this guy like you know it, it's that's just that's this video games like and that's what makes it interesting and cool is like people of all generations all ages everybody's playing it but yeah you know the truth is is like a lot of the time you probably are better off finding people of your you know your shared experiences or personality types and uh you know try not to to mix and match too much because you know again like what a 20 year old thinks a 40 year old probably doesn't yeah I, like, you know, I always i always say the thing would 20 year old you want to hang out with like 40 year old you it's probably like no you think i'm a fucking loser <laughs> you know it's funny because i changed my my uh I change what I say. I say now when they ask me, I say I'm the same age as Doctor Disrespect. For some odd reason, psychologically, like, Doctor Disrespect's cool. Yeah. Oh, Doctor Disrespect's cool. I just always say I'm 19. <laughs> I'm the only man who's never. I'm I'm Benjamin Button. I just never age. I'm always 19. By the way, that was a great movie. Yeah, I did like that movie. <laughs> I like. I even bought it on yeah. DVD. That was a phenomenal movie by Brad Pitt. That was a phenomenal movie. Yeah. So, quite out of out of Eastward, you were you were always bo born and raised in Texas. Yep, from Dallas area. Dallas. You know, I was. Uh, I think I was uh, five, six years old. My mom married my stepdad. That was from Houston. So mm -hmm. I lived in Baytown, Texas, in Houston. So I went to Little League. I was a little kid, you know, and and I truly enjoyed it. Had a had a blast. And my stepdad, uh, he was like, "Well, son, you know, he had that Southern, you know, Texan yeah, accent." Talk you know? like yeah, you're gonna have here Bell Buckle. This is a Bell Buckle. Yeah, <laughs> one more Puerto Rico island stuff, son. Give <laughs> you a big sucker cowboy boots wrangler jeans yeah <laughs> he turned me into a cowboy and then he he's the one that got me into um to the nfl you know learning well, i was about gonna say like how long did you live in texas when you were growing up oh jeez, i think i think i was like two years or two to three years because i always when i talk to people about texas it's like Growing up in Texas, you don't understand if you're from somewhere else, you don't understand how important sports are until you're unless you're from Texas. Like when I growing up in Texas, football was the most important class I took. Like it, it like high school sports in Texas and college sports are it's like a it's like <laughs> professional teams basically for the schools. Like I went to a school we had an indoor and an outdoor field. We had a hundred thousand square foot gym and multiple people that I went to school with are now professional athletes. And it's like, you're not getting that. Like, it's just the Dallas Cowboys is 
in Texas, it's like God first and then the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Like that's how it goes. Like when he, when he raised me up, you know, rest in peace, he passed away. It was, um, God first Cowboys and WWF by that time before it switched to WWE. Yeah. You know, he's a, I was watching, you know, all the Jake the Snake Roberts and then with football. It was like, it was so inbred. It's like, it's like a religion, you know, it's like football mm-hmm. is, you know, you're going to learn about football. And I didn't know diddly squat. I was a little kid because the major sports in the island, Puerto Rico is, it's not even soccer. That's say remotely. I mean, it's baseball. Yeah. I was going to say in professional baseball, there's a lot of Puerto Rican players. So that's not surprising. Yeah. It's baseball, boxing, and basketball. Mm-hmm. Those are the three. That's it. Nothing else. Now, I think not too long ago, by five years or six years ago, or eight, I, I can't even remember. They just started having a soccer team, you know, and it's really not not that good. I don't even know they're still in, you know, and it's really not that popular. But, yeah, and now they're bringing in, in the island – NFL football. So a lot of people starting to to learn it. A lot of uh, bars are putting, you know, NFL games. That's interesting because like in America, I read a recent report that like um, Little League football and like high school football, the uh, amount of people who have been like signing up are way down because like as you know, as the NFL has gotten more and more over time, the adults are growing up with it and seeing the effects of getting hit all the time. And they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're steering their kids to play other sports. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause of the concussion. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've seen like a lot of examples. People once they're post careers is they're either beat to like the shits to speed out of them. So they're never just healthy or they have like the CTE and things like that. Like, you know, uh, a lot of, um, kids have been are being steered towards you know safer sports like uh, baseball or basketball or soccer yeah and but because soccer is uh, i think soccer is the number one growing like youth sport right now uh in the u.s yeah i i I, well let me tell you there's some nasty injuries in soccer a lot of people don't know even in baseball um i was watching um you know, the, the shorts, YouTube shorts. And, and there mm. was this guy hit a, you know, try to hit a, a, a midfield, but hit the pitcher. Yeah. yeah. It was just like really bad. I was like, ouch, you know, that had to hurt. Real I guess bad. nothing just is nothing compares to like the repetitiveness of football. It's like, you are just getting, especially at like a professional level. Mm-hmm. Those guys are so big and so fast. Like it's like a freight train hitting you. I remember it makes me think of, uh, so I went to school with a guy named Rex Burkhead. He was an NFL player for the Patriots. He was on a few teams. He won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. And uh, we had like a practice and it was like a tackle drill or something. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's like you line up three on three and like a little lane and you run and then he tackles you. And I was running the ball and he tackled me. And it. I think I had a concussion. I like nothing happened. But he hit me so hard and this is in high school, but this is like everybody just knew like he was one of the biggest recruits in the nation. I think he was an all American at Nebraska. Like everybody knew this guy was going places and he hit me so fucking hard. It like, 
I lost my breath. I started seeing stars and I was just like, dude, like, <laughs> and that's in high school. So I can't imagine being a professional, like getting hit by those guys. Like it, that yeah. it's, it's crazy. It takes, it takes a toll on your body. A lot of them nowadays, uh, they're just like going to the doctors constantly. Um, there were, there were, their knee injuries. They were talking about how many of them are like bankrupt, but there was another thing. They were just like full of medical bills because they're just like repetitive going to, to the doctors because their knees are messed up, you know, mm-hmm. or they have other injuries on them, you know, that they can't, you know, be able to, to, to re- fully heal or, re- you know, fix. Cause it's just like every single, that's their job. You know, they just go in and get, get hit. Was right. he what? What position was he? The running back. Oh, jeez, like an Emmitt Smith. Yeah, he. I think in the NFL, he was never like a full time back. He was a like a third down special teams kind of player, um, which is probably why he had a pretty long career. Because I think it's like notorious now that like running backs don't play very long in the NFL. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just kind of imagine like taking those hits for years and years and years like it's no wonder that so many of them end up having you know issues like post-career or even during their careers yeah because like the what's weird too is like baseball players for instance or basketball players get paid way more than the nfl players like baseball players are the highest paid athletes in america now i wonder I always try to figure out. I wonder why that is because you look at their stadiums; they're never jam packed. Like, at, like I think it's because they play with the TV broadcasting rights. And you say like the the some of the stadiums are jam packed, depending on which teams it is. But also, it goes back to the fact that they play like 162 games. So in the NFL, you play 17 games and then the playoffs. So you're selling that for a couple months. For baseball, you're playing 162 games and then the playoffs. So that shit's like year round, basically like, yeah, more basically. people can go to the games cause it's almost all the time. It's on TV all the time because they're literally playing every day. So that, that's how the, that's where the money comes from. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause they, they, I was like, man, they're spitting out a lot of money for just one player and I offer them $70 million. Well, like, like uh, that Otani, that's a free agent right now. The rumor is he's going to get like a 10 year contract for like $500 million or something. It's just like, okay. Has there any, how much was Alice Rodriguez at the time? I think it was 10 years and like 325 million, which was like, that was 10. That was, a- that was like 15. I don't even know how many years ago that was, but like in terms of that, that was an insane amount of money compared to like what it is now. Yeah. Like the inflation on that, that that's probably like fucking five, six hundred million dollars. Gosh. That is crazy. That is crazy. I I would have thought that the NFL players, you know, they would be getting paid a little bit more. But yeah, going back to getting hit and get being injured, that that's that I didn't know that right now the rates of of uh people joining in is is, is a lot less than it mm-hmm. is. I mean, I would think about it twice if I had to go against Troy Palomalu. Yeah. You know, I'm getting hit by that guy. Yeah. He, he, uh, he will put a hurt into your body. Well, Seth, um, 
hopefully this is not the first and the last. I know I'm going to cut down some time here and um, I know you got some errands and things to do. I want to thank you so much for, for participating on the, on the podcast and uh, tell everybody that be, that is listening where to find you. Go ahead. The websites, everything, the merch, everything. Go ahead. Yep. If you ever want to watch me, I stream occasionally at twitch.tv slash super. Um, and to be honest, I don't really do much else. You can uh, learn more about the Sonics on www.sonics.gg. S-O-N-I-Q-S, not S-O-N-I-C-S. There you have it, folks. Well, okay, Seth. Thank you so much. God bless you. And hopefully next time we, we could uh, schedule another appointment, uh, another another podcast. That's it's the true. hospital talking right there. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's just brilliant. Sometimes yeah. I pick up my phone and I say, <laughs> I'll go monitor tag. This is just me. Yeah. Like, oh, gosh. Even my wife, when I call my wife, <laughs> she says, you know, she's <laughs> she'll call her department, you know, and I was like, honey. I'm calling you <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Thank you for listening to The Dr. VTech Show. And don't forget to click follow.